0: Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express and a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Otto. Happy to be with you Friday, April 16th. A big day for tennis. Monte Carlo, Rolex, Masters, quarterfinals are complete. We just witnessed a massive upset. Andre Rublev takes down the King of Clay, Rafael Nadal. The scoreline, 6-2, 4-6, 6-2 in 2 hours and 32 minutes. It's a giant win for the Russian. Rublev's been knocking on the door for quite some time, but he hasn't done that much damage at the Masters 1000s. But this year has been a different story. He's 7-1 at the Masters 1000s. He entered the season with a 14-21 record at that level. Nadal, of course, we know a lot about. He's the man who had a 46-match winning streak at Monte Carlo. He's the 11-time champion at Monte Carlo. There are reasons we call him the King of Clay, but today he couldn't get past Rublev. So Rublev makes it into a semifinal quartet that includes Dan Evans, who knocked off Novak Djokovic, Stefano Tsitsipas, and Kaspar Ruud. They will be a first-time Masters 1000 winner here to talk about what's been going on at Monte Carlo all week, specifically with Djokovic and Nadal and Rublev. It's Richard Pagliaro, Tennis Now Editor. Let's get right to our conversation. See you on the other side. Pretty exciting bit of tennis right there. (laughs) How are you doing today, first of all? And let's talk about this crazy upset victory by Andre Rublev over Rafael Nadal.
1: Yeah, Chris, it's one of those moments you just take a deep breath like, wow, what did I just see? Because I can't remember seeing Rafa serve go off like that uh, in a claim. I just can't even remember him serving that poorly, I think seven double faults, double faulting away the break. And then when he gets it to the third set, you're thinking like, this is where Rafa becomes Rafa, you know, and just and just and it wasn't that way at all. He was shaky, and Rublev showed, you know, so much in terms of his, his calm throughout the match, but also the physicality that he came through Batista Gut yesterday, and then to come up against the King of Clay today and be two super fit guys, on uh, you know, on what is not his best surface. You know, I, I understand Rafa did not, he wasn't Rafa, he played a poor match, but still you've got to credit Rublev what he's done at this tournament.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'm thinking, a, you know, you're right. There was one ace from Nadal. There were seven double faults. He was broken seven times, and I think the statistic was quoted that he's never been broken that much ever in Monte Carlo. Of course, it's just his sixth loss in history at Monte Carlo. He's now, what, 73-6. and six, but, but Rublev, man, so impressive on the clay. You don't think of it as his best surface, but now he's won 13 of 15 on the clay since the restart last year. I personally was really impressed with how he was able to produce depth and consistency. He was really reliable for most of the match. Yes, the second set was a bit of a, a bit of a I don't know dogfight, if you if you will. But I thought the way that he produces power and depth off both wings and did it against Nadal was just uh, whether Nadal was playing his best or not. Clearly, he wasn't. But wow, this is so impressive for Rublev.
1: Super impressive, and the second set away, I mean, when he bungled that, you know, smash, he's right on top of the net, he had a point-blank smash, and he hits a cross-court, and Rafa runs it down and hits a rope, winner down the line, and you're thinking, wow, that's just going to, that was one of those moments where if there had been a crowd, the people were going to on crazy and but Rublev even after that mistake he was able to write the ship and play with so much composure but look this guy's a winner i mean this guy is leads to the tour over the last year he and novak as far as you know just match win. he's accustomed to winning i mean he's he's a winner so yeah it's definitely a surprise but i think like you said he played really well and also the beginning of the match for me rafa you could see the nerves and just the timing wasn't there he was leaving his backhand i felt short in the court, or at least mid-court, let's say, and Rublev, the forehand, he was ripping the forehand. I mean, he hurt him with his forehand down the line, and even those fitting match point, that last forehand, he went for it. I mean, this guy's a powerhouse. He is he is going to be a scary clay court player this whole season.
0: Yeah, and the, the stats are just coming through on tennis TV. And it's, uh, let's see, Rublev, 23 winners, 28 unforced, 18 off the forehand side. Nadal, 25 winners, 36 unforced. Nineteen off the of uh, the forehand side for winners for Nadal, but yeah, the struggles. I guess we're on serve for Rafa. What do you think's going on there? Any problems? It's just a, he hasn't really played a whole lot, so it's not like um, he doesn't have plenty of time to get back into raging form by the end of May, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, Russ never sleeps. I mean, it's the second tournament coming out, first tournament on clay. It's a really super windy day there, chilly. You know, he just didn't never look comfortable on the serve. And then on the on the deuce side, like almost every second serve, he was going down the tee for a large part of the match. And, you know, Rublev has a good return. He was jumping all in. He just didn't have the confidence on the serve. And he a lot of the double faults were into the net. He was just sliding them. He wasn't even getting that extreme slide that he sometimes gets on the on the ad side. But you figure he would have just adjusted, hit a kick, couple more kick serves, just put a little more spin on the second serve, but he just wasn't adapting as well. I mean, it was just a match. just a bad... It's a little bit similar to Djokovic. They just had an off day, and the opponent totally exploited and excelled you got to give Rublev and Dan Evans both credit big time they saw the champ was reeling and 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 they just jumped all over it
0: mm, yeah my goodness we'll get to we'll get to Dan Evans in a bit but we'll stick with this great matchup where Rublev has upset Nadal six two four six six two. he's one of uh, the very f- small group of players that have defeated the Spaniard at Monte Carlo uh, it's been an interesting start to the the clay court Masters season, as we see both Djokovic and Nadal not a part of the semifinal quartet, which includes now Dan Evans, who came into this tournament. He's 30 years of age, by the way, came into this tournament with uh, four ATP clay court wins to his name. He's going to face Tsitsipas, who's been kind of a nice story over the last, really this season. He's been really consistent. He's playing well on the clay. I mean, we saw that at Roland Garros by him reaching his semifinal. The other semifinal is Rublev and Casper Rude, who took out defending champion Fonini. So it's a really a, a refreshing little look at a Masters 1000 clay court semifinal. Not at all what we expected to see, right?
1: No, not at all. It's a youth brigade, and like you said, Dan Evans is 30, but all the other three semifinals are young guys on the rise, and we will see a first-time Monte Carlo champion. Of course, Rafa's 11-time champion. Novak had won it twice, so... So this is a huge moment for all four of these guys, and all four of them have a legitimate reason to believe they can win the title because Casper Ruud knocked out Fonini, the reigning champion, and he, you know, he really took it to him for like four or five games in a row. And then when Fonini made a run back at him, you know, Ruud just stepped up and repelled. He has a huge, huge forehand, so that's going to be. An interesting match, especially because Rublev has come off two very physical matches where he really had to work and grind. So I'm interested to see how that one plays out. And then Sitsipas, you have to give him the big edge against Dan Evans, but Dan Evans has taken down the world this week. So it's yeah. like Dan Evans is weak. You know, you can't. You just don't know what's going to happen. He's such a unique and, and uh, unsettling opponent.
0: Mm-hmm. And before we're going to get to Evans and his win over Djokovic, and then a little bit more about Evans, but I want to ask you. I'm going to quiz you right now rallies of, of over 9 shots today between Rublev and Nadal what do you think the there were 39 of them what do you think the final total was
1: I'm going to say that Rublev actually had a slight edge.
0: He did. 23-16 oh, uh, in the longest rallies. There were a lot of like 35 stroke rallies in that match that he really impressed me with his his ability to just hang in there with the great Nadal and just trade strokes and and again, depth, consistency, margin looks really good on this surface um the and it, he also dominated the points that were five strokes or under 47 to 33 and Nadal took charge of the middle 5 to 9 strokes winning Uh, 36 against 26 for Rublev. So, I mean, two hours and 32 minutes, and you really, probably the most impressive thing in the end is that Rublev was able to get over the heartbreak of having points for a double break lead in the set, the second set twice, and and just turn on a dime and forget about it and put it in the past and take out Nadal really um, in a lopsided third set, 6-2. That was probably the most impressive thing about this win is the way he's able to kind of wipe the slate clean.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, you, you just look at the way he spread him, with, with that, the way Rublev spread Rafa with the forehand, I felt he took it inside in a lot to drag him into the backhand corner, and then he'd just take the inside out and totally stretch him, and it wasn't like he was coming in and finishing it on the volley, he was just hitting him side to side at times when he was really in the groove, yeah, he, he played real well. I mean, Rafa, it was definitely... I don't know what he's going to say impressed for me. It was a poor effort, although it was a really fierce fight from Rafa. He knew he didn't have his A game, not nearly, but he really fought hard and came back, made it a match, and you're thinking going into the third set, now it's Rafa's stage, he's going to shine, and Rublev just wasn't having it. You know, he just the pace that... You know, his pace is jolting. I mean, he takes you right out of the the picture. He's dragging you off into the corners. And then on the forehand, he can hit it anywhere. He can hit the extreme inside-out angle. He can take it down the line inside-in. Even when he goes just heavy pace right down the middle, he can jam. I mean, his forehand is is a big-time weapon.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's really remarkable. Here's a quote from Rublev. I think it might have come from his on-court interview. I can't imagine how to be in the situation of Rafa. Knowing you're the best player on clay and you have that pressure every time, I think for him, it must be incredibly tough every time. I'm in shock the way he's playing under this pressure and that's why he's a legend. So it's nice to see Rublev. We know how, how he thinks of Nadal, how much he looks up to him, how, how he tries to emulate him in, in the psychological aspects of the of the court. So, of course, you'd expect that from, from the Russian giving some praise to the king of clay. And I think, wow, that was just cool. Nine shots, cool. 23 to the 19 coming. in favor of... Bit that... Um, it's just impressive to see that Nadal, that Rublev can step up and just really introduce himself to the storylines of this clay court season in a big way, and I think that's exciting for all of us. Another exciting story, of course, as we move on, is Novak Djokovic was a little bit lackluster in a loss to Dan Evans after a press, an impressive first match against Yannick Sinner. He's out early. I bring up one point that I find interesting. The last time Novak Djokovic lost in the round of 32 at Monte Carlo actually this is around the 16 but the last really early devastating loss was to Yuri Vesely in 2016 and he won Roland Garros this year so I don't know should we be worried about Novak did you see anything worrying are there injury concerns is he not motivated what do you think about the situation here with with the world number one
1: I think it was the rush showing, although he didn't show that much rust at all against Sinner in the opener, but, you know, Sinner, it's more of a conventional baseline match, and Sinner hits huge off both wings, but it's a cross-court baseline match, whereas with Evans, you know, you're scraping balls off your shoelaces, he's bringing you to the net, he's coming to the net he's giving you no pace it's just a whole different unsettling it's almost like arrhythmical tennis you cannot get a rhythm so i don't i don't take a lot of huge shocking now, to me the big surprise from that loss was i consider novak's backhand one of the best two handers i've ever seen and that he just couldn't break down evans off the backhand i was really surprised i thought he would play a lot high just a lot of high, heavy topspin of the backhand because Evans is shorter, and you make the five foot nine guy hit the one hander high, and then play low. But he just couldn't dance. He just couldn't hurt him backhand to backhand, and also the second serve where Evans was his first serve percentage was low in that first. He was hitting a lot of second serves, and Novak could not make him pay. Evans. Was really served uh, uh, accurately and effectively. So, no, I don't. I, to me, it's not a big shock. He just hadn't played, you know, yeah. since Australia. And like I said, the center match, it was more of a conventional match. He had never faced Evans. It was windy. The slice swirls. He wasn't getting low. He was lunging for some of the balls. He was frustrated, you know. But he's still having said all that. It was 6-4, 7-5. He looked like he was going to win the second set, take it to a third. So he played poorly, but he still, it was still a very competitive match.
0: Yeah, I think you make good points. And uh, with, about, and you can say the same thing about Rafael Nadal. That neither of these guys have played since Australia. They're older now. It takes a little bit, uh, a little bit longer, maybe, to get the diesel engine cooking. And right. I, I don't think it's a huge surprise that both of them went down. They both have plenty of time to get ready for Roland Garros. And uh, I think for Djokovic, he'll go to Belgrade next week as long as he's healthy. I didn't see any signs that he isn't. He, he was a little bit vague in his press conference talking about something like yeah he
1: alluded to something that before the mat almost like in practice but he didn't he didn't say what it was so i don't know i was worried that he was referring to the abdominal issue that of course he had in melbourne but he didn't say specifically and then today sits was kind of skeptical of the whole thing so who knows i mean i don't know i I don't know although he did say that he was looking forward to go to belgrade and you know he's a hero there, so obviously you want to see him go play there.
0: No, yeah, if he's in if he's in good health and good form, I think it starts to heat up for him in Belgrade. He'll he'll be satisfied to be there on so many levels. I think it'll be good for him spiritually, good for him mentally, psychologically, and I think you see him move forward to Madrid with a whole different mindset. Um, so. Yeah, again, need, not much to worry about with Djokovic and Nadal, but again, it's nice to see players pushing them. And every little, every little piece of skin that these guys can take off of of the top two players in the world, you know, and theoretically, I think Medvedev is still number two at least for a little while. Any but any little bit of skin these guys can take off is going to give them confidence. And finally, at some at some point, we don't know when, but the tides will turn, and this will be a big win for Rublev for the rest of his career. You have to think. For his ability to deliver on clay, for his ability to face top competition, it's just—it's uh, really exciting. Evans played well too. When you're speaking about that Djokovic match, he's—he's he's playing great. So I mean, there's no shame in losing to the guy, even though he's not supposed to be that uh, much of a player on clay. He's clearly um, found his game there and is able to take out David Goffin today to reach into the semifinals. He's—he's he's in top form.
1: Yeah, and also he's doing well in the doubles, and also I think there's a residual carryover from Miami. Granted, Novak, Rafa, Roger, not in Miami, but when they see a final of Center versus Hercots, or these other guys are saying, "Look, that can be me." You know, Hercots just wants a huge title to win Miami. If he can do it, I can do it. So I think, you know, it. If you are Casper, if you're look, even if you're Sitsa even though he's won the Year End Masters, he hasn't won a you know a regular Masters title. It's a huge weekend for all those guys, and you know, like you said, with Dan Evans coming into this event with four career clay court victories for his whole career, and I think you know he had never been past the second round of a Masters. I mean, this a career altering run for him. So everybody's got something to play for and then Rublev's been the premier winner you know outside of the slams just on the tour events it's going to be great tummies
0: yeah it's really it's it's exciting I think we needed a little bit of a you know something different and I think in Miami it was crazy and I think we were critical maybe or in general I know myself personally I was at the fact that a lot of the guys weren't able to step up and put up a good performance in Miami without the big three in attendance at all so it's nice to see that they're kind of they're ready to go in the clay, and especially Sitsipas. He's just It's kind of been business as usual for him, um, and I like to see that. I like to see him marching through matches and, and doing what he's supposed to do and the potential to reach his third Masters 1000 final if he can take out Evans, which will be a tricky one. So, yeah, there's a lot to play. It will in. be
1: tricky, and also I feel like just reading me between the lines of his comments, I feel like he feels he let a moment slip away in Miami, and you don't want to let that happen twice in a row.
0: Yeah, I think that's... That's really nice to see both Sitsipas and Rublev. Maybe Sitsipas alluded to it, Rublev not so much, but they both know they've got a lot to prove on the big stages, and they're both working hard at doing just that. Rublev didn't do that poorly in Miami. Um, the loss to Hercutch was a tough one for him, though, but he's bounced back splendidly. Um, what else can we talk about? I wanted to ask you one thing about Andre's game, Rublev. The, the Some of the gets and the squash shots on the forehand side were really impressive, I thought, in that second set. He, he impressed me defensively and as a mover on clay today.
1: That's a great point. I felt his scrambling this whole tournament has been, because when I think of him, I think aggressive baseline or a guy that's trying to take control from the first strike. And in this instance he's on a slow clay court a chilly day you know kind of funky conditions funky bounces and i felt when he had to defend and scramble he did it well you know he really did and uh, just his movement in general he just seems to be moving with more confidence and just he just sets up so well for that forehand and when he unloads you see his whole body get in he's a strong he's a wiry strength i mean he's not a big physically muscular guy but he definitely is a strong guy yeah
0: and here's a stat from uh... ATP media notes Rublev is 7-1 and at the Masters this year after entering the season with a 14-21 and record at that level overall so definitely improvements from him what else can we talk about you know what it's sort
1: of- well I would say the one thing that was weird to me is the home guys all went out you know Djokovic lives there Medvedev obviously with coronavirus mm-hmm. Varev lives there Dimitrov had the two thing, but the residents of Monte Carlo the guys that you would think well they practice there a lot they'd have a big edge they're all gone basically
0: yep it's uh, Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting week. We're going to keep it kind of short today, but before we go, I want to just turn our attention over to this MUSC Health Women's Open in Charleston. It's been a really interesting event there. It's The second week, they had a 500 there at the Volvo Car Open, which Kuda won the title. But this week, it's been a sort of a youth brigade. We've got Clara Towson, 18 years of age, against... Maria Camila Osorio-Serrano. Those are two first-time title winners matching up in the quarters today. We also got 15-year-old Linda Frivertova. Frivortova, tough one to pronounce for the first time, actually. And uh, she's gotten a wild card in there, got their first WTA-level win, is now into the quarters. So kind of an exciting event. And in the top half, you have a little bit of an opportunity for Owens Jabor, who faces now Abino, and Shelby Rogers facing Danka Kovinich, who was a runner-up last week and is playing really good tennis. So I just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on any of those young players. I've been, uh, specifically, I've been impressed by Osorio Serrano. I watched her at juniors in 2019 win the U.S. Open, and I didn't really know if she'd have a game that translated to the, to the pros, but obviously she does.
1: Yeah, she really does. I only saw part of one of her matches, and I was impressed. Fuver Tova has really, really impressed me i know she's super young but a lot of coaches have told me to watch her. Yeah. her her her, um i guess the complete not completeness but just that she can hit so many different shots and understands the court i saw the match against navarro yesterday and she mixed up well and she didn't pull the trigger prematurely she was able to her point construction i thought was really sound and she can hit the ball from any she hits the ball really clean yeah. it really does and, you know, we've talked a lot about Clara Towson. We both are really high on her, and she can do just about anything with the ball. She's a player I think everyone should be watching for the next five, six, seven years, hopefully beyond. She's really exciting to watch.
0: Yeah, she's kind of a force. She took out Isla Tamjanovic to reach the quarters. So, I mean, all you are... Yeah, missing. and she can...
1: She's got a great drop shot, too, so she's interesting. And like you said, Anstra Bohr, you know, she's done so much over the last few years and to, to have the pressure of carrying the top seed, and so far she's lived up to that, and she's played well, and then Shelby Rogers, a hometown girl. There's a lot, uh, a lot of interesting stories.
0: Yeah, it'll be fun, I think, uh, just recommending to our listeners that, uh, you know, you're going to be watching Monte Carlo, but definitely flip on the action at Charleston could see uh, some excitement over the weekend with some t- three teenagers in the lower half in the quarters. Um, that will be interesting. it be fun to see who comes out on top of there, but let's cut it short, Richard. We got to get back to work and thanks for coming on. Let's reconvene on Monday and break down uh, how these weekends turned out. And then we'll look forward to, to the rest of the clay court season. Would you join me for that? If you have a chance? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks Richard. Talk to you soon. Thank you. This edition of the Lucky Let Cord Podcast is a wrap. Don't forget to check us out on social. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tennis now, on Twitter at tennis underscore now, and, of course, on Apple Podcasts. We'd love it if you uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Just type in Lucky Let Cord Podcast on your Apple Podcasts app, and voila. Meantime, it's Friday. It's the weekend. You guys enjoy the tennis. Have some fun, but do it safely. And check us back early next week. Monday, we're going to record and go over what happened at Charleston and Monte Carlo over the weekend. Should be an exciting one, so keep it tuned. And thanks again for listening. What else can I say here? I'm sort of rambling on. Take care.